Hi, and welcome to the Don't Beat Around the Bush podcast. I'm Addie Holzman. And I'm Haley Kava. We're friends, pelvic floor physical therapists, moms, and occasional hot messes who are here for real, uncensored conversations about all things pelvic health. And because our conversations are uncensored, they're likely not appropriate for little ears. Please remember our disclaimer. Although we both are licensed physical therapists, we are not your physical therapist. Yeah, anyways. And our content is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your own healthcare team for individualized advice, diagnoses, and treatment. So let's talk today about topic we haven't hit yet. Yeah, something we haven't talked about much yet is diastasis, recti. Diastasis or diastasis? Recti, recti. <laughs> you Who choose. Knows? It will never be known. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so in, did we say this on the podcast before? So in Canada, like some anatomical terms, uh, we like pronounce differently. And yeah, so, we talked about, I can't remember what it was. So when I was in undergrad and we were talking about physiology, capillary. That was it. We'd say capillary action. And to me, that sounds like, like much better. It's fancier for sure. And then like manubrium and manubrium, like okay. of this, like on the sternum. Yeah. Manubrium. How do you say it? Manubrium. Manubrium. Mm-hmm. That's how. That's how I said. Oh, okay. It. What's the other way? Manubrium. No, that's dumb. no, that's not right. There was something else too. There was like a couple other like in- anatomy words, and I don't know Capillary. what. I don't know what is the the right one and what is the not right or wrong, but which one is like Canadian, which one's American, more American. But I had a Canadian professor who taught like exercise physiology at Syracuse, so we would ta- we we're talking a lot about like blood flow and exchange of oxygen and she'd always say capillary and I was always like <sighs> so is it Uranus or Uranus Uranus <laughs> for sure <laughs> oh my gosh I watched Working Moms I need to catch I up binged on it Jackie was right about there being like a whole situation is it good <laughs> yeah it's really funny so you have to tell me is calling something a twofer a Canadian thing a Canadian phrase like two for one deal? Yeah, like that's a two for. That's a Midwest thing too. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're basically Canadian. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I heard they said, and it's based in Toronto, the show, or like in Canada. And they were talking about, I'll oh, spoil alert, they were talking about like a nude. <laughs> but the nude, it was like the whole perineum, like from anus, <laughs> like including the butthole and the vagina. Like a wide eagle, spread eagle. Yeah, like shot? butt and vagina. Yeah, she called it like the something to the to the trash shoot <laughs> the playground of the trash uh, yeah something <laughs> and both the lady and then later her husband were like oh that's a twofer because <laughs> you got like <laughs> oh I can't. yeah it was really funny have you watched any of it yeah I, okay. most of the first season i think mm-hmm. but i need to catch up on because Shit's creek is coming to an end for me for the second time. Mm-hmm. All these Canadian shows, man. I know. Canada's where it's at. It's like definitely a Canadian thing to definitely mention in conversation, not subtly at all, when a, an actor or someone famous or a show is like based out of Canada. We always want to shout, shout out. As you should. Canadians. Especially something like Shit's Creek. That's an amazing like, show. Earlier when you are talking about using an Alanis Morissette song for your reel, <laughs> yeah. it took all my strength to not be like, she's Canadian. <laughs> But I know you know that, so I held it in. I don't know if I knew that, though. 
<laughs> I couldn't tell you. I'm so bad with pop culture. While we're on the topic of pronouncing things, mm-hmm. can I just put a PSA out there that it's not Illinois? Please stop calling it Illinois. It's Illinois. Illinois. No S at the end. So something that really is irritating to my ears is when people correct you when you say Louisville and they say Louisville. And I'm like, I'm always like, I'm never going to say that. I'm never going to say it like that again. (laughs) That's the only time I'm ever going to say it like that. I sound like a (laughs) dum-dum. Our Kansas neighbor was from, how do you say it? Louisville? No. Louisville. Louisville. (laughs) My tongue doesn't work like that. Lil. Like, almost like you're going to choke. Lol. Deep throating. <laughs> Gag. Right. That's maybe why I didn't like it. <laughs> that feels exactly like deep throating. <laughs> Which is only for special occasions. <laughs> I do not want to be doing that in my daily pronunciation. <laughs> the tears are flowing already. This is good. I think that's the hardest I've laughed on this podcast so far. And probably in a while, too. Oh, sorry, Lilville. <laughs> sorry, Ash. No, every time. Every time deep throating happens, I'm going to think of it. I can't even say it right. Oh, my God. Um, that like, hurts me when you do that. So. Anyways, back on pronunciations of things. Back to diastasis. I would say my preferred is diastasis recti. You know what? I switch it up and I don't know why. Whatever comes out, comes out. keeps it, keeps it fresh. Yeah. Just like deep throating every once in a while. (laughs) Keep people on their toes. (laughs) I, okay, one of my things with diastasis is that I feel like anytime people have weak abs after birth, people jump to, oh, it's diastasis. And it's like, no, it might not be diastasis. It might just be that your core hasn't been reconnected and rebuilt after birth. Like, Mm -hmm. there's a difference between just how you engage your core in a weak core versus diastasis. Right, right. The path, like the pathology of that versus it just hasn't had proper rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. 100% of women who are pregnant, um, they're, they're linea alba, so the, the fascia that connects your two sides of your abdomen is stretched. And so the research will say that it's like, you know, 98% of women in their third trimester or who, oh, sorry, who reach term, like 37 weeks. But it starts before that. The the changes in how we regulate pressure through the abdomen in pregnancy change much earlier than 37 weeks. And so it's also not just the linea alba that's stretching, right? Right. So there's other parts of fascia, other a- aspects of the abdomen, and then just the muscles themselves are, are lengthening. And mm-hmm. so... Yeah, like, it's not so simple as, like, oh, split down the middle, it's like a zipper, and it's zipped up or it's zipped closed. It's, like, a whole, the whole abdomen, the whole front of your body is shifting and changing, and so it makes sense that it would take time for that to return. But I think a big problem with maybe these pseudo-diastases is, like, we've allowed our bodies to compensate too much early, you know? So, like, we're going to overuse back or we're going to overuse 
other muscles in order to make up for maybe this lack of core activation or like anterior abdominal wall control. Mm-hmm. And so then it's months and months and months down the line and you're back to doing more intense activity that does require those that ab wall doing more, but you've been able to get by. But then when body doesn't look the way you want it to look, or maybe you're, you have bloating or pressure management issues or leaking or whatever, and then the diastasis is what gets blamed, or like that's the label that gets put on it. But really, it's, it's more than just the ab wall. It's like... Right. Mm-hmm. And to back up a little bit, there are a ton of myths out there surrounding diastasis. There's not a lot of research as to supporting exactly why it happens or who's at more risk or or any of the things. Even There's the a lot measurement, of hypothetical stuff. Even the measurement. So like what you'll see online all the time is like how to measure your gap, right? So like shove your fingers into your belly, curl up, and like the space between your fingers. Please go up to someone, a person, go up to your husband or a male person, go up to someone who's never given birth or been pregnant before and do the same thing to their abdomen. And what you'll find is that they also have a gap. I've seen so many old men with diastasis. Like they yeah. curl up like to get off the yeah. mat. They have coning so yeah. bad. And then it becomes kind of like prolapse. Like I feel like the the mental challenge with labeling anything diastasis or labeling anything prolapse is that now there's this need to like consistently like check it and check it and check it. Is it better? Is it worse? Is it better? Is it worse? And it's like, this is a continuum of progress. And there's sometimes going to be bad days and there's sometimes going to be good days. But like, we need to change the loading that's happening. Change, change the, the, the way. Strategies. Yeah, the strategies. So just thinking about how we measure diastasis, like in a typical clinic, is finger width and knuckle depth. How scientific. Yeah, it's not accurate. Is. So I think the studies show that it's decently accurate from the same person from like session to session, but from different raters. So say you checked it and I checked it, we would get different different right. scores. Then even caliper measurements, not super accurate. So I think like ultrasound, real-time ultrasound is probably your yeah, like best most bet. accurate measurement, but very few physical therapists have access to that um, in their clinic. So Diane Lee is like... One of the that's top who, That's who I was thinking. She has, like... Go She's ahead. also Canadian, by the way. Canadian. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Celebrity call-out. Diane Lee. Super smart. And so she says, as far as, like, functional diastasis, which is the ability to control the ab wall and the pressure with different strategies versus, um, like, a tissue problem where, like, no matter how you do it, right. like, the tissue stretched out and you're not... You're still coning. You're still getting that midline like discomfort and pressure and all that she says that within six to eight weeks you should if it's a neuromuscular issue like strategy Mm -hmm. um like you just have to change how you're breathing or rib mobility or Mm -hmm. ab contraction you should see some good progress in the first two months if it's like a tissue integrity genetic kind of thing it takes a year or more to get See to where that. you're going to get with PT. Gotcha. So I think that's with probably PT or postpartum with PT, like with so, PT, with so, intervention. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that kind of jumped my brain into this idea of if you're going to get PT for your diastasis recti, which absolutely do. If all they're having you do is lay on your back and wrap a towel around your abdomen and pull it into the middle and curl up, run, get a new PT. 
sometimes I'm like, yeah, like I'm, I really want to promote our profession. I think this is an amazing profession. I think we can do amazing things. And then like, I'm let down sometimes when people are telling me about the care that they've received. And it's, it's frustrating. Really bad. Yeah. Like that they did that for six months. And you'd find that in any profession. I mean, any pro- doctors, chiropractors, the Anyone, there's mm-hmm. going to be people that are on top of their game and then other providers that are not so much. So, yeah, and we've talked about picking providers that resonate with you. But, yes, it, so here's the thing. Very commonly in diastasis, um, that deep transverse abdominal engagement strategy is lacking, right? So, so can I also interrupt? Yes. We have four layers of muscle in our ab wall. Or rectus abdominis, transverse abdominis, internal obliques, external obliques. That's four. Not just transversus abdominis. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And so because the research does look at specifically transversus abdominis, so one of those layers, it gets all the credit. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, we had to do a deep TVA contraction. But like, you have to use other stuff. Sorry yeah. for interrupting. But like, I get so irritated. Yeah. Like, we need our internal obliques. We need our external obliques. So if you're not doing things that activate those, you're missing out because that's part of those layers of the ab wall. Yep. But yeah, but sorry, yep. go ahead, go ahead. So to simplify it, not to like sorry, rub you the wrong way. <laughs> Get like charged up about. <laughs> to simplify it, um, I think of like your transverse abs as your canister, right? So the transverse abs compress in they're your natural corset so their activation is to like compress and decrease the volume of the abdominal cavity right but where do they attach where do they start they start at your ribs ribs. and where do they end lumbar all the way around up high on ribs down to pelvis they're like they're there yeah so to challenge them you have to be able to like compress and work against pressure. So if you're doing gentle exercises that aren't demanding any pressure from you, mm-hmm. you're not strengthening. Yeah. And if those... you're keeping your pelvis t- completely still and you're not moving your rib cage at all and you're just drawing in, probably not strengthening. That's like saying, "Okay, bicep. I'm going to like put my palm up on the bottom of this table." And I'm just going to push my hand up into the bottom of this table, like, as if I was going to do a bicep curl. And, like, tighten my bicep. And so it's working. Absolutely. I can feel it. My bicep is taut. And then doing that, just gently, though. Not hard. Not fast. Just hold, relax, hold, relax. And, yeah, my my bicep feels a little tired. The transferability of that into actual strength. Is shit. Now go pick up your 40-year-old. Or 40-year-old. 40-year-old. You might have a 40-year-old child. If you have a 40-year-old child, you're more than welcome here on this podcast because... Because postpartum's forever. Yeah, 100%. Um, But, like, that's the... That's, like, what's super annoying to me. Yeah, we've been too gentle rehabbing the core. And not to say, like, go hell's bells yeah like do the (laughs) boring stuff first just like any other like it doesn't make any sense to me just like rehabilitating anything else that you learned about in pt school like okay we're gonna start with range of motion then we're gonna do some yeah maybe some isometric contractions totally fine fair then we're gonna take it through through motion then we're gonna add load then we're gonna make it more functional and it's like it's not like they're not teaching that in pt school 
So where is the is the disconnect that we're too busy or that women clinically we- is it women that were too fragile? Like postpartum women are too fragile. Like, it, do you think that plays into it? Like, oh, we don't want to. We don't want to push on that pelvic floor. We don't want to. Maybe not it's too like much pressure. Of, not too much. Yeah. Which <laughs> women are anything but fragile. <laughs> like, I will. Like I will. I again. We've starting to. We've done twenty episodes. Did you know that? <gasps> no Last way. episode was our twentieth episode. Oh mm-hmm. wow, that's exciting. So before I was was pregnant the first time. I was a little bit nervous treating pregnant people. Yeah. Because I was like, well, I want to really push on these ribs, but I don't want to squish the baby. Yeah. And then, like, when I was pregnant, I was like, push on my ribs. We're going to squish this baby. (laughs) And it's it's protected. It's got a nice pillow in there. It's just fine. And, And so, like, yeah, my perception of, like how actually powerful and strong we are in pregnancy and, and, and even postpartum changed dramatically from having gone through it. That doesn't mean that you have to have had children in order to be a good pelvic floor PT or to be a PT that treats people right. with vaginas. But, like, don't be afraid. And, and that the principles of muscle strength and hypertrophy and all of that apply the same way. And I would argue that it's even more important in our core, in our what structurally helps support all of our other joints in our body to challenge it. It kind of goes along the same vein as all these crazy, don't lift more than 10 pounds, don't bend over, but here you go, here, you know, leave the hospital, here's your car seat that you're going to carry your 6 to 10 pound baby in that's already over, you know, 15, 20 pounds. Then you have to, like, carry... Maybe laundry or a bag of dog food or other yeah. kids or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, come on. We don't give women any strategies or support. So then we're just like scared about it. Yeah. Make sure you rest for six weeks. Don't do anything. But then, and I'm not saying you should like go do right. all the things. It's, it's physical rest. That does rehabilitation and rest are different. Right. We need to re build and re and give tools like if I have to bend over to pick that thing up off the floor and I'm one day post c-section or delivery give me a way to do it better because I have to do it anyway Mm -hmm. so (laughs) let's just do it better. right right or like so then what is the strategy that develops it's like a tightening strategy like just or it's a tensing or it's a bracing or it's a breath holding strategy which over time may contribute to pelvic floor dysfunction, to low back pain, to SI joint pain, to pubic pain not going away. Like, ah. Yeah, yeah. Then what really pisses me off? We think about, like, orthopedic surgeons, right? So, or orthopedic surgery in general. So you tear this, like, you know, little ligament in your knee, say your ACL. Some, you know, I, people would argue that's a big deal, but... <laughs> Compared to you, if you have the type of diastasis that is a... Um, related to your connective tissue and that there's no way that it's coming back on its own even when you're doing all the right things the fact that that surgery to repair an injury to your muscles is cosmetic yep (laughs) that's bullshit so bullshit and and like this is not so like you wouldn't ask someone who was playing rec basketball goofing around who tore their acl to be like Mm, you know, you don't really need your ACL. You Actually, you can probably function with 
conservative measures and actually not need to repair that ACL potentially. Really strong hamstrings. Yep. So like you you could actually do really well with not having surgery and save thousands of dollars that you may or may not have to pay. Then someone who's doing all the things to rehabilitate a, like a fascia that's been damaged, muscle that's been damaged. The core of any movement, in literally. Order, in order to populate the world. Yeah. And it's like, mm, no. I'm really going to light your fire. Because in... Okay, so insurance paid for me as an 18-year-old to have an exploratory knee scope. I have no idea how much that was, but it wasn't cheap. Right. As an 18-year-old, nothing was wrong on MRI. Nothing was wrong on X-ray. To actually probably create more potential problems. It did nothing for me. Because of the sequelae of having had surgery. Luckily, you rehabilitated yourself and did those things. But yeah, like the muscle changes and things that happen after you go into a body, like start cutting into a body, um, whether it's your abdomen or your knee or your ankle or your shoulder or whatever that is like it's never the same right and so so insurances the insurance paid for it Mm -hmm. don't get me started on insurances because i'm really (laughs) ramped up over insurance this week so insurances and paid for that but these women who have done all the conservative measures they've gone to pt they've done the bracing they've done the movement strategies they've done the they've strength had training. trainers they've, they've had coaches they yes they still have to so mother much. they still have to like do like pick up their kids and do all of the things you know yeah. with a, a lack in their core but an abdominoplasty is cosmetic and like sh- like and and maybe there may be a component that is cosmetic Right, Like, oh, my stomach doesn't look the same. But that's probably not the only reason why they're seeking out this repair. It's like, no, no, like, this isn't working. And my my back hurts or my hip hurts. And I'm, yeah, there's so much more to it than just, I don't like the way my stomach looks. Right. So I had a friend who is four years postpartum with her third. And she had three C-sections. And she has been working, I mean, she works out, she, she works out a lot, working, working, working to try to get her abs back on. Like she, she literally could not feel her core engage at all. And she had an abdominoplasty and she's like, holy shit, I feel connected. Like I feel my abs now. Yeah. And and, you know, my back doesn't hurt and this and that. And I have another client who, like, her hip pain, I've heard this a couple times now, like, hip pain immediately gone. They wake up from surgery and they're like, oh, like, they're walking and they're like, my chronic hip pain is gone. Mm-hmm. Like, abs are so, it's, they get such a rap for being, oh, six pack, oh, flat abs. <laughs> but they literally are <laughs> the core of our movement and so functional, mm-hmm. supporting breathing and your diaphragm and connecting the upper and lower parts of your body and, you know, managing and creating and dispersing pressure, like so important, but they're under this like cosmetic umbrella. Like they only need to look good. They don't need to function well. Right. As if our like bellies have like one function only, like one, grow giant babies and birth them Two, get flat. Get flat. <laughs> the patriarchy. I know. Well, yeah. Then so we, we should start calling like diastasis recti repair surgery. You I know, think, I think the abdominoplasty that name is just wrapped up in Hollywood. Yeah. You know, like and and I will cosmetic surgery. And I will say, 
granted, in sometimes in physical therapy, we see like worst case scenarios. So I have seen a couple abdominal plasties where people really, really have struggled and actually needed some like revision of their surgery because the surgeon was a bit aggressive mm-hmm. um, or like pulling things way too tight mm-hmm. or inter- not not taking into account that like, yeah, like our abs do need to like bulge out sometimes and they like relax. To, they need to let your ribs move. So mm-hmm. the client I'm working with now, like most of our clients are like their ribs are real open, right? Or they're not moving well, mm-hmm. right? So even if you're like an ab gripper, if you lay down flat on your back, a lot of times your ribs are still popping like up. popping yeah. up. So most of the time I'm working on getting people to close their ribs and really working like or close interiorly like and open laterally or yeah. But but after an abdominal plasty, mm-hmm. you have to work on opening the ribs because they've tied those abdominals so down. tight that like they can't breathe. And then they're wearing a binder for so many weeks and like you know, I mean, it's, really a, painful. it's extremely painful. Yeah, oh, the recovery is very difficult. Yeah, it's a really tough recovery. Mm-hmm. So, like narcotics, constipation. You got you got a compression. Can you imagine? Garment. So the the incision on the bottom goes like hip to hip. Yeah, it's it's big. And I think they come up to belly button, like hip to hip, and then up to belly button, depending on what they need to do. So, like a super C section, right? Like some, I think they'll sometimes they'll even come through like your C section scar but like yeah it's not the easy way out i no, think no that's like that perception is completely absolutely not in i mean you don't even stand Straight. vertical yeah you're like, for like bent over two weeks yeah like you're so guarded and, and swollen the swelling like pools that's why they have to wear compression garments and but yeah can you imagine with a hip hip to hip trying to poop Oh, yeah. And like having to like, you know, you need mobility, right? So if you're guarding and you're stiff and you're not getting that rotation or that natural movement mm-hmm. throughout the day, imagine how backed up your, your well, GI system is. Oh. So if you have any kind of surgery and you're on narcotics, make sure that you're also on some kind of laxative. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Load up with those. I even tell people to do that like the couple of days before they give birth. Yeah. Is like not a bad let's idea. get those poops really free and flow, and sometimes that actually naturally happens. Like in early labor, is like you'll start having some looser poops, and I think that's your body kind of preparing for. Or oh, I just thought of this. You know how you poop, like you poop during mm-hmm. delivery. Mm-hmm. What if that was God's way of being like? You might want to get that out now because the next couple of days you're not going to want to poop. So I don't think I pooped this time. I only pushed a couple times. And last time I know, like, first time, I definitely was pooping. I know I was, because I had a mirror and I could see it. But, like, this time, I guess it was all happening too fast. I didn't pay attention. And I wasn't pushing, like, I didn't have an epidural, but I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was pushing like I was pooping. I I really don't think I would, I don't think I pooped this time. But I might have. They just were super spies. I feel like, um, <laughs> like a good delivery nurse secretly wipes, wipes yeah. it away. But if, what happens up? if you're in the pool? They just let it. That let they the... just let it go. I unless it was really loose. I don't remember seeing any poop in the pool. But my dad you know, like a little scooper. <laughs> actually, they do. They do have a little net to fish out the poop. Yeah, so maybe or meconium or whatever. <laughs> How do we get on pooping? Or sorry, like delivery. just that first after diastasis poop. Oh, I can't so, imagine. We yeah, we would love all of your questions. For my sister. So my sister, Kim Mullen, she's a physician's assistant up in Minneapolis. 
area and she does plastic surgery. That's her, her specialty and does quite a few abdominoplasties. And so her and I were just chatting all about the surgery and like things that they do and different strategies they use. And she also does clinics. So she's not just in surgery. So she does a lot of like the follow-ups and um, I think picking her brain would be really cool. It would so, be. Does yeah. she, do they refer to PT? Mm-hmm. Oh, they yeah. do. Nice. Oh yeah. 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 The ones down here don't. Yeah. So they, she, her surgeon does um, a lot of like mastectomies and reconstructions. Mm-hmm. So um, cancer surgeries and then, uh, you know, abdominoplasty, like hernia repairs. I think she, whenever we talk, she's always trying to do like sneaky things with insurance to try to like see what they can get covered. And they do some cosmetic stuff, lots of other like skin flap stuff. So like for spinal cord injury and like skin breakdown and stuff like that as well. So she has to do a whole lot of cool stuff, but lots of abdominal repairs also. So what I worked with, I saw my client, I think she was two weeks post-op um when we first met and all we did was like sideline breathing or even like all fours breathing positional breathing in bed that kind of stuff to open her ribs because she Mm -hmm. was just for just circulation and rib mobility and breath um because she just felt like she couldn't get a good inhale because her ribs weren't opening well and i like absolutely the surgery but i think like that kind of stuff should be used even just any surgery yeah you know like anesthesia Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like to get your GI system going to for pain management, for to tap into your sympathetic mm-hmm. system. I mean, literally any surgery, even like abdominal surgery. Any abdomen 100% any abdominal scar surgery. mobilization, all of those things. Gosh, we need to work. We need to work in a surgeon's office and just set everyone up for a good recovery. <laughs> like I don't, in orthopedics, it's like totally known. I no, this is not a maybe this is an absolute, any orthopedic surgeon worth their weight trust has a trusted physical therapist because their outcomes are better. Yeah. Like it's just known patients are happier. They have less pain. Um, they recover faster and they get back to the things they want to do faster. So why, what's, yeah, what's the disconnect with, I don't know. Because it's cosmetic? Like, oh, yeah. I mean, we're talking, like, not even all OBs and midwives. No, one, no, that pelvic PT is a thing in what we do, or two, don't believe in it. So, I mean, we got a lot of work to do just, like, in our little niche. But if any doctors are out there, we promise we will make your clients so happy. (laughs) So Amanda Olson, who was on the podcast, Intimate Rosebush, check it out. She had a t-shirt on on her Instagram the other day. Oh, maybe it was a while ago. And it was a t-shirt that says, it's not a niche, bitch. Yeah. Because everyone has a pelvic floor. floor. And 50% of the population, if not a little bit more, are vagina owners. And even then the other part of the population who doesn't own a vagina also has a pelvic floor. And so it's not a niche. It's not a niche. And like 26% of people experience pelvic pain in their lifetime. Can you think of another body part area that does, I mean, besides like the brain, I mean, cause for real, that does as much as the pelvic floor does as far as like quality of life, like keeping your pee and poop inside when you don't right. want to be pissing your right. way in the mall, right? Or right. being able to orgasm or being able to reproduce or <laughs> being able to, I mean, come on. Yeah, it's really like, important. Really important jobs. 
mm-hmm. that pelvic floor does. But mm-hmm. yet, it's just hidden up in there. <laughs> Nobody wants to Nobody <laughs> talk wants about to it. <laughs> We're a little nervous about it. It's a little taboo. And it's like, actually, this is really, really important to me yeah. in my life. Literally, every person on this earth has a pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing that it doesn't get more credit and more help. Exactly. Yeah, I would definitely say this time, you shouldn't compare yourself to your past self. But, like, because my kids are, this, like, th- almost exactly three years apart. So my, like, memories pop up of Cam when he was, like, the same age now that, like, Robert is. And so there's some pictures of, like, me, like, at the same point postpartum. And I was like, I am definitely, like, they're, like just my posture and my alignment and how I'm, like, even just, like, controlling my abs how I'm controlling my abs like how it looks looks worse no yeah but it feels better like interesting like I'm definitely more aware I definitely having less symptoms like I feel I don't feel stronger because I'm I'm just starting to like ramp up a little bit more but like I also emotionally feel better and like maybe I looked that way because I was like not eating and like not sleeping and was like super anxious and you cannot tell what's going on on the inside from the outside. Yeah. Like people may look like they got it together on the outside mm-hmm. or. Yeah. Did you find you that like know. your postpartum recovery easier or harder with subsequent. Oh, definitely so, harder. Yeah. Yeah. David was, um, other than panicking about prolapse at like day three postpartum, which now I know <laughs> everyone is descended at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was pretty, yeah, my pubic pain didn't come until Owen. And then Elsie just exacerbated everything. But I knew so much more with Elsie yeah. as far as um, expectations. Very important to manage expectations. So, But I feel stronger now than I ever have. Even like at the peak of my athletic season, like I'm so much more connected and aware of my body and how to control it and mm-hmm. how it should feel than doing like... A 300-pound squat with my back and not feeling my core at all. Oh, yeah. In college, like, I was a ticking time bomb of, like, just pain. And that I had no clue. That's the dumbest thing ever. There was absolutely clues as to why my back was going to go out. And it was because, yeah, we were squatting stupid amount of weight, doing all these things. No awareness of ab control. Like, no breathing awareness. Just... Just grinding, grind, grind, grind. Do you wonder, like, what you could have done with the knowledge you have now? When I first learned PRI, and we were talking, Chris and I were, like, nerding out about jumping and, like, the pelvic floor and takeoff and, and, like, why it's easier to take off of, you get more jump off your left leg when you, because your posterior out, anyway, posterior outlet's closed, so there's, like, a more solid push-off point, and that you're... Is that why I liked left layups? Yeah, so like you can drive off of your left leg better because it's harder, right? Yeah, so like yeah, your yeah, your yeah. force production out is greater because there's not it's not absorbable. Where you go to take off your right leg, more like the pelvic floor releases down more, like in the back, mm-hmm. and so it's harder to generate that like drive. Interesting. And that you can drive off. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, now my mind is just like rolling with that. That's yeah. cool. So, but like when I was learning that, I was like, dang. I know. I could have probably squatted so much in high school if I would have. I yeah, literally missed don't opportunity. think I ever used my core. 
I think it was all back. back. No oh, wonder. Totally back. I had episodes of like literally rolling out of bed and not being able to stand up. One of your funny story. <laughs> so like I'm I'm just a weirdo. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm like, PSA. Like, <laughs> I'm okay with that. Like my like my sense of humor. Uh, you guys know. Like, I mean, it's, watch your reels. Like that's all right. Yeah, and like know. I'm I'm like fully embraced like who I am. But like you know when you're younger, you try to maybe like cloak your weirdness because you want to fit in right and so we were doing like push presses where you like ju- like kind of hop and like press up and we're and so we're doing like heavy push presses on like the on the platforms and I like I was a freshman we like the men's so the gym were like the men's soccer team in the mornings like working out and their whole men's soccer team is like walking out right in front of all the platforms where we're working out and I like push press up Did and you fart. No, <laughs> my back went out like with the weight over my head oh, fudge. and so I threw it down and then face planted on the ground because I couldn't like my back was just like full spasm and I just laid there and oh I like, couldn't get up Dang. and luckily no one was in front of you they would have gotten a yeah, but I just remember, like, lifting my head up and seeing the whole men's soccer team thinking, oh, thank God most of them are short. <laughs> like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, I'm not interested in them anyway. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so funny. And that was, like, how I just, like, justified to myself, like, this is okay. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, what's the alternative? It would have crashed down on your head. That would have been yeah. not not optimal. What would have been ideal is like I just exhaled a little bit and got my ribs down. Those ribs, man, they are so ribs and abs is turn my abs on a little bit. Everyone needs to start. I probably would have been just fine. So weird talking about weirdness. I remember one of my <laughs> most like prominent memories of college is me and my roommates my roommates like hey your, i got this your party your is did we already talk about this no no your um what's that the sex toy party oh that was another fun <laughs> one but no this is like my roommate's like hey i got this cool trick and she like lays down on the ground puts her feet up on the wall lifts her pelvis up and starts queefing <laughs> Um, so <laughs> like, I, have, I have had teams of volleyball teams. You told me that. Okay, so we've done the story then. We, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast. I, I don't know. I couldn't do it. Oh, we were I like, was like the only one who couldn't do it. And I was so embarrassed that I couldn't, I couldn't. That you couldn't suck air into your vagina <laughs> yeah. and fart? It was like. Vart. Yeah, I couldn't do it. And like everyone was like dying laughing and they could do it. And I was like, I'm trying, but I can't. We were literally lined up on the wall. And just yeah. Like, <laughs> we thought it was the funniest thing right so like can we just normalize varts and like it's being funny vart with a v, v. <laughs> i'm just enacting now that vart is the new term queef bye bye yeah queef is kind of weird like queef uh, is like shameful to me vart is like power. hell yeah <laughs> We're like, reclaiming the fart. Lots of like <laughs> emphasis on the fart. <laughs> like, oh my god! Yeah, I couldn't fart until after having my after having Cam, and oh, then so I don't. And like, I'm not intentionally trying to. Pretty much only sex is like the time, the only time it happens. 
I think it's hilarious when that happened. <laughs> the first time it happened, I was like mortified, and then I was like, eh. <laughs> like so every it's doggy, it doggy yeah. style is. The I think culprit, it's just like the it's more open. All the air gets just, just jammed, jammed in. in there. Yeah, and then Ash is so like he hates farting. He hates bodily fluids and sounds and all of the things. He hates blood. He hates literally everything that that I love. <laughs> So, like, I have complete joy when I roll over and fart. (laughs) It has zero control over it. Like, I can't control it. So, he just rolls his eyes. I'm like, sorry. Like, start ranking them on a scale of, like, I will say, I am the most romantic person in the bedroom. (laughs) I think you you, you just have to, like, take your power, you know, just own your vagina power. The other night, I started talking about cannibalism, and Ash is like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, we're having sex, and you're talking about cannibalism. I'm like, I'm sorry. I just listened my to this brain podcast. <laughs> he was like... Oh, my God. <laughs> you can't help the things that pop into your head. He's like, can you please save this conversation? <laughs> he is a saint. He puts up with so much bullshit. It's so funny. <laughs> But, so good. Yeah. But anyway, so, yes, to recap, diastasis. It's not as scary as it may seem, mostly. Some people are very severe, but it's not as many as you would think. PT, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Give it a solid shot. I, so another tangent <laughs> thought about diastasis, since we're getting back on track, <laughs> is like, so I think one of the things like people talk about is like they just feel more bloated, like they feel like their abdomen is pushing out all the time, and and so I would say like getting that under control also is going to be so key because do you want to? It might be the one diastasis maybe leading to more distension of your abdomen, but what if it's not? And maybe the diastasis is sticking around because it's always on a little bit more pressure because you're dealing with like gut issues or like visceral um, restrictions or old scar tissue or things like that. And so sometimes what I have seen post abdominoplasty is that if those gut issues aren't resolved, then they're going to continue. And so the distension of an abdomen now on an abdomen that's like been all kind of sewed back together is going to be uh, probably more uncomfortable than it was and it's going to have to go somewhere, and that pressure may end up going down or creating back pressure or, you know, a, fair, a number of different... Yeah, things. this is where all the systems are intertwined. Our body is so interconnected, and so if you, you know, diet, your nutrition, your microbiome, all of that, like, gut-related health is going to impact your abs and vice versa. Like, if your your abs can't like give a little pressure to your GI tract to keep things moving like, along. Yeah. And, and, you know, just think about like when you walk or run, how much like turning and twisting and, you know, there's so much fluctuation in that like pressure that helps everything move through your track. So if your GI system is not getting that kind of nudge to be mobile, like chicken or the egg, right? Right, right. So abs are important for function. It's a bonus. I'm that getting they some look good. some poop testing. Oh, I want to do that. It's some GI mapping and some other some other tests. You get to poop in a cup and send it off. 
that's gonna make okay. me barf, I think. Here's my question. Mm-hmm. How much, like, bacteria grows in the time that you poop in the cardboard box to when they test it? I don't know if it's, like, sealed off. Because what's... If it's sealed, it's only gonna grow what exists. It's not, like, new stuff's not gonna emerge. They're the experts on the poop analysis, not me. So you're gonna send poop through the mail? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just think about that. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like a April Fool's trick, but it's not. Like, <laughs> but the idea of handling my own poop is really kind of grossing me out. Yeah, but it's I need to figure this out. Yeah, I would I would offer to help, but <laughs> no, I don't need you handling my poop. Also, like that would gross me out even more. Any other last summaries for diastasis? Yeah, so send us your diastasis. <laughs> send us your email. <laughs> Oh, 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 it's, oh, it's the gang. <laughs> okay, send us your questions for a uh, plastic surgery PA who is performing abdominoplasties or assisting with abdominoplasties on the reg. My sister, she's amazing. She's super smart. And that's what we'll, we'll kind of build up to build up to that. Cool. That sounds exciting. And we apologize if we offended anyone from Louisville. Lol. Sorry, I can't even say it right wrong. Okay, I'm never saying it again. That's the last time I'm ever saying it. And now it's Louisville. Louisville. It's like moist to me. Ew. I'm going to fart, actually. Okay. Did you know that that reel, that was just me... The varked? No, no, not the varting reel. The one where I just, like, walked, squatted down, and, like, had the, like, fart sound playing. Yeah. Has... 200 and some odd thousand views. Shoot. Like, I love farts. See? But then the solution's real. Not that many. 5,000. So I need to maybe do a new one that's like that's better funny. solutions for farting. Maybe people don't care about their farting. It's like farts. Like just own your fart power. What I'm concluding is that people really like butts and farts because my two tight butt reels have yeah. performed better than anything else. And I'm like, why? Why? <laughs> But, yeah, that's what people are into, is farting. Not, like, farting whenever you want, like, pushing a fart out. Okay, nope, no big deal. You're in control. You know it's coming. Perfect. But, like, farts that you can't control, so, like, you bend over and a fart comes out, is incontinence of a type. Air incontinence. Flatal incontinence. Flatulence. And it's associated with the progression to fecal incontinence. there's our tip for today so know your bush love your bush and spread bushy love bye 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 you can communicate with Addie and I both in regards to the podcast questions comments concerns topics that you want discussed on our podcast Facebook page don't beat around the bush podcast as well as our email account which is don't beat around the bush podcast at gmail.com you can also find our podcast on all the major podcast platforms so please subscribe comment and share all the bushy love it's probably pretty obvious that our episodes are edited and produced by addy and myself (laughs) and our music is provided by blockhead